My name is Keith Beavers. I have a very, I have a very serious question. Okay. Are dad hats still a thing? What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to episode 20 of Fine Pairs Wine 101 Podcast. My name is Keith Beavers, and I am the tastings director of Vine Pair. And sup? All right, I need you guys to get ready. I need you guys to buckle up. We're about to talk about Bordeaux. And it is, it is, it's, it's, uh, this episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Louis M. Martini Winery. For more than 85 years, Louis M. Martini Winery has crafted world-class Cabernet Sauvignon from exceptional vineyards of Napa and Sonoma counties. Our founder believed in a simple, honest premise. The best grapes make the best wine. This guy was one of the OGs, guys. Today, the legacy of ingenuity, endurance, and passion continue at the historic winery in Napa Valley with an acclaimed collection of unforgettable Cabernet Sauvignon wines. Louis M. Martini, craft your legacy. You know what I want to do? I want to tell you everything about Bordeaux. I want to tell you the history, the minutia, the the reason, like how it got to where it is today. But like I said with the Burgundy episode, I would need a series of episodes to really get a, give you a sense of the in, the meatiness of Bordeaux. But I only have like a little over 20 minutes. <laughs> so what I want to do is... I might throw in a, some some history here, but the thing about Bordeaux is it is such an important place. The wine made in the Bordeaux region of France is so influential to the rest of the world. There are everyone you've know there you've heard it. This is a Bordeaux blend even though it's not from Bordeaux. Like California itself has tried to emulate Bordeaux for a very long time. There was actually at one time a term called meritage for wines in California that had Bordeaux varieties blended into it. It's not really a thing anymore, but this it's, it's a huge place. It has so much influence, and the history is really cool. It is a fascinating, crazy thing, but it's just so dense. But what I really want to do is I want to, I want to address the anxiety <laughs> around Bordeaux when it comes to the American market. I don't know about you, but there's a lot. I mean, th- when I was coming up in wine, the Bordeaux section of a wine shop was like, what am I looking at? I, it was so confusing. And there's so much to explain there for what we know today about Bordeaux. So this episode is basically going to be an explainer. We're just going to explain Bordeaux to you and get you an idea of what's going on. So when you go into a wine shop, your anxiety level will be a little bit lower. There are two rivers. One is called Dordogne, and that starts all the way in the eastern part of France on that central massif we talked about in the Burgundian episode at the highest point, a mountain called Puy de Sancy, and runs all the way west towards the Atlantic Ocean. And there's another river called the Garonne, which starts in the Pyrenees to the south, and starts working its way north then west towards the Atlantic Ocean. As these two rivers get closer to the Atlantic Ocean, they begin to parallel. And eventually, there's a confluence where the two rivers come together. And that area is called an estuary. An estuary is an, a body of water where brackish river water meets ocean water and eventually dumps into the ocean. So this dumps into the Atlantic. That estuary is called the Gironde. So the two rivers come in, they meet and they dump into the estuary and then eventually into 
the Atlantic Ocean. This area, the Gironde, and the confluence of these two rivers, this is the Bordeaux region in southwestern France. This is the birthplace of the grape Cabernet Sauvignon. And along with other native grapes like Merlot, a grape called Petit Verdot, and a little orphan grape from the Basque region of Spain called Cab Franc, makes up pretty much the Bordeaux blend in different proportions throughout the wine-growing region. Interestingly enough, the Malbec grape is prominent, or once was very prominent in this area of southwest France, and it sometimes can still be used to blend into Bordeaux reds, but not really much anymore. Another grape called Carmenere, which is very well-known in Chile, is also from here, but again, it's not really used that much. And Although this is not the birthplace of Sauvignon Blanc, this is a very significant home for Sauvignon Blanc in a native grape called Semillon, which primarily makes up the white wines of Bordeaux. And this place is massive. There are over 50 appellations in this region alone, comprising of around 7,000, almost 7,000 chateaux, which basically means castle, which is, just means winery. And of those 7,000 or so, only 5% of that are the famous wines we know, or at least we've heard of, like in movies or when people talk about Bordeaux. As the Garonne River works its way towards the confluence of the Dordogne River and then dumps into the estuary, it passes on the left bank a town called Bordeaux. This is the actual town of Bordeaux. And it's an important, very, throughout history, it's a very important port town. Just north of the town of Bordeaux, going towards the Atlantic Ocean, is a wine-growing region called the Médoc. One general thing to understand about Bordeaux is it is always going to be a blend, with very few exceptions, especially the red wine. And almost all red wine blends from Bordeaux are based on two varieties, either the Cabernet Sauvignon grape or the Merlot grape, and then every other grape comes after that. So uh, in the Medoc, which is the left bank of the Gironde estuary, the wines coming from the Medoc are primarily Cabernet Sauvignon-based blends. This is the area with some, the, with some of the most famous chateaux in Bordeaux, which I'm going to get to in a second. And what can be very confusing about the Medoc is it's broken up into two classification systems, two larger regions, and six smaller regions, even smaller regions, that are basically just called communes or villages. These are the things that you're going to see on the wine labels when you're, when you're in the wine shop. The two larger regions are one, Medoc. So if you see Medoc on a wine label, it can come from anywhere. The grapes can come from anywhere in the Medoc region but mostly from a low-lying area just inland from the Atlantic coast. The other larger appellation is called Omeduk, or the High Meduk. As we come in south from the Atlantic coast and we get past the low-lying regions, the land starts to rise up a little bit. And from this part all the way to the town of Bordeaux, this is called Omeduk. So anything that comes from that area can be called Omeduk. And then along the left bank, actually right on the left bank of the Medoc, are these little communes or villages and these wine growing areas with specific names because of their specific terroir that are very famous. And some of the most famous wines come from here. 
And starting north and going south towards the town of Bordeaux, you have the commune of Saint-Estef, the commune of Pouillac, Saint-Julien, Listrac, Mouly, and then Margot. And among all this are two classification systems. This is crazy. This is just one part of Bordeaux, guys. This is a very cool part of Bordeaux. It has a really cool history to it, and I wish I could get it to, get to it in this episode. But what's important about the Medoc is this is the place where Bordeaux became uh, recognized on the world stage. In 1855, Napoleon III was hosting the World's Fair in Paris. And he wanted to showcase the best of France, the best artists, the best food, the best wine. So he put in a request to Bordeaux to come up with the best wine to be displayed at the fair so people would see you know, how awesome it was. So the people of Bordeaux, brokers and merchants and such, they came up with a system to present to Napoleon III. This was a classification, basically. And this classification was called the classification of 1855. It's a very famous moment in Bordeaux where it really, really started to be recognized. And it was basically called Grand Cru Class. And chateaus were put into five categories. First growth, premier cru. Second growth, deuxième cru. Third growth, troisième cru going all the way down to five. So first through fifth growths. And these chateaux were not chosen based so much on terroir. So much, They were really based mostly on popularity and the price in which these wines could fetch at the time. I mean, if the wines were great and they were fetching high prices, obviously they had good terroir. But it was really more of a political thing because they wanted to just sh showcase the best of the best, right? In the end, 60 chateaux from the Medoc and one chateau from outside the Medoc became part of this classification system. Four chateaux were lucky enough to become first growths. Then you had 15 second growths, 14 third growths, 10 fourth growths, and 18 fifth growths. Now, I can't get into all those chateaux, but the top of the top is a short list, so I can tell you those, and you're going to really recognize these names. From the commune of Pouillac, you had Chateau Lafitte Rothschild, or... Lafitte Rothschild, which I'm sure you guys have heard before, and Chateau Latour. I'm sure you've heard of that before. In the commune of Margot, there was, of course, Chateau Margot. So we've heard all these names before, but this is what this is where they came from. And just south of the town of Bordeaux, in the Grave district, which we're going to get to, in a little area called Pesac Léonion, was a is a chateau called Chateau Aubriant, and that also became a first growth. It's the only one outside of the Medoc that became a first growth. And this system holds today, and there's been really no changes to it except for one. In 1973, it took until 1973 to have one more chateau added to the first growth list. And that is Chateau Mouton Rothschild, which is also in Pouillac. And that was elevated from a deuxième, or a second growth, to a premier cru, to a first growth. It took a while, a lot of lobbying, a lot of politics, but it worked. This secured the prestige of this area. These wines can age for 30 plus years in the Medoc. And so these are some of the most long-lived, age-worthy wines basically in the world. And for the first growth wines, you're definitely going to see on the label Premier Cru. They want you to know. As for the other growths, the second through fifth, they don't always put 
the the growth on the label. They'll just say Grand Cru Class or Grand Van or Grand Cru Class 1855. I mean, so good for them. But what about the all the other winemakers out there in the Medoc? Well, in 1932, in response to this, they cre- they created in the Medoc what's called Cru Bourgeois. <laughs> Here's this is the second classification, and this is crazy. So, if to to become a Cru Bourgeois wine on your label. You just have to make wine within the all the appellations within you know whether it's the commune or the larger appellations has to be made within this area, but then you can submit to be classified. And here, it's not the chateau that's being classified; it's the actual wine that's being classified. And this classification is reassessed every five years, so it can change. Twenty-five <laughs> percent of all the wines in the Medoc are cru bourgeois, so you're going to see a lot of that in the American market. And they're not very—they're not as expensive. They're less expensive, and they're said to only la- only age for like you know ten years or so. But there are cru bourgeois that are being made that last longer. But what you'll see on a label, for example, is it'll say Chateau something, then it'll say cru bourgeois, and then. Omedoc, let's say, or Chateau something, Cru Bourgeois, uh, Pauillac. That is primarily, wine lovers, what is considered the left bank of Bordeaux. Now, south of the town of Bordeaux is a district called the Grave District. This area is, is also on the left bank of the Garonne. So it's technically a left bank, you know, Bordeaux, because in a little growing area called Pisec Lyonnon, just south of the town of Bordeaux, that is where Chateau Aubryon is. And that is one that is the only chateau that was added to the classification that's not in the Medoc. And this area is so special that in 1987, the Pisec Lyonnon became its own appellation. So you have the, the full Grave district, and then within that you have the Pisec Lyonnon. And the thing about this area is it's not only known for their Cabernet-based red wines, but it's also known for some of the most expensive, focused white wines in the world. You'll have white wines that are primarily going to be Sauvignon Blanc and Sémillon with a little bit of a grape called Muscadel and a grape called Sauvignon Gris. It's a very, some of these wines are stunning. And in 1959, this area created its own classification system, but they just call it Grand Cru Class, and there's about 22 chateaux that are in it, and they are judged, they are classified with their reds and white wines. So again, I'm not, I can't get into all of it, but it does have its separate classification there. That's why this gets very confusing because there's all these different classifications. You guys still with me? Is this kind of crazy? But I mean, it's, it's crazy, <laughs> but you're getting to kind of understand this, I hope. On the right bank of the Giron Estuary and the Dordogne River, is an area of Bordeaux where the red wine blends are primarily based on Merlot and then often Cab Franc or Cabernet Sauvignon. The wines from the right bank with all their Merlot-based wines are just beautiful and elegant with a little bit of power to them and some spice. They don't have like that big structure of the left bank wines, but they have this beautiful softness to them because Merlot is the dominant grape and then Cab Franc comes in with that little bit of peppery notes. They're awesome. And really the most well-known region on the right bank is Saint-Emilion. There's a town called Saint-Emilion and then the wine growing region around it. It's just inland from the Dordogne River and it's hilly and there's wine made in Saint-Emilion proper 
And then there are these four satellite regions that are attached to Centimillion with their own names that are defined by their specific terroir. So in general, just like in the Medoc, you have a Centimillion wine. It's grapes that and wine can come from anywhere in the Centimillion region. And this is where it gets a little confusing. Are you ready? The next step up from that is Grand Cru. There is an area in Centimillion that is demarcated as Grand Cru. And if you make a wine within that area, you can enter to be classified as a Grand Cru. And right now there's like well over 200 of them. A step up from that is Grand Cru with the word class at the end. There's about 60 plus of these. And these are judged based on their quality. And if you get a 14 out of 20 from the panel, you are a Grand Cru class. Above that, there's Premier Cru class B. And there's only, there was about 15 chateaux that are in that category. And then at the tippy tippy top, the best of the best is called Premier Grand Cru class A. And there are only four chateaux in that category. And I don't know that I'm gonna pronounce these correctly, but there's Chateau Angelus, Chateau Osson, Chateau Pavier, and a very well-known one called Chateau Cheval Blanc. If you guys have ever seen the movie Sideways, that's the wine he drinks in the fast food restaurant right before the credits. But wait, there's more. Just north of Saint-Emilion proper are those four little satellite regions. You have Lussac, Saint-Emilion, Pisseguin, Saint-Emilion, Montagne, Saint-Emilion, and Saint-Georges, Saint-Emilion. And that's it. So that is the, <laughs> that is Saint-Emilion in the right bank. Now, just northwest of Saint-Emilion is a very important place called Pomerol. And Pomerol, and just north of Pomerol is a smaller region called Le Land de Pomerol. This is a very cool region. The wines are awesome, and they're Merlot-based, and they're affordable, and they're great. The thing is, there's no classifications. They don't want to be classified. They're totally fine with what's going on. They're just like, yo, we're making wine. It's, it's really wild that they have all these classifications going on, and this one place, there's none. Except at the highest point of the Pomerol wine growing region. It's about 130 feet above sea level. There is a natural outcropping of a very specific kind of soil, a very old soil, about 40 million years old, called blue clay. It's sometimes referred to as the button, like a little button of this specific kind of clay that's nowhere else in the region. And the story goes that the Romans in antiquity actually named this spot Petrus, which means rock or stone. Because when this blue clay hardens, it hardens like rock. And that is the name of this plot of land or vineyard. It's also the name of the winery that makes the wine. And when I say winery, not chateau, because it really isn't a chateau, it's more like a farmhouse. And the unique thing about the wine Petrus is that it is 100% Merlot. Now, it wasn't always that way. There was a time when it was like 70-30, 70% Merlot and then Cab Franc. But as of 2011, it's all Merlot. This is some of the most elegant and one of the most terroir-driven wines in all of the Bordeaux region. The production of 30,000 bottles a year is minuscule in this region. It has a huge cult following to it. And a lot of people believe that it should be a Premier Cru, but it's not. And it's from Pomerol because there's no classification system and they don't care. It's just this amazing 
little place that makes a beautiful wine that's different from everybody else. And it's just, Bordeaux's crazy like that, guys. Pomerol, Le Lund de Pomerol. Remember during the Burgundy episode, there was the village category? Well, they don't really have that in Bordeaux, but they have something like it. It's called Côte de Bordeaux. They're all on the right bank, and they it's kind of a local pride thing. So you have a Côte de Bordeaux with a village name attached to it, and you had you kind of it's it's kind of like a village. So you have you have Côte de Bordeaux Cadillac and Côte de Bordeaux Castillon. Those are for red wines. You have Blay Côte de Bordeaux. They flip it and they do red and white wines. You have Côte de Bordeaux, Côte de Bordeaux Franc. They do red and white wines, but the white wines can be sweet or dry. And then you have Côte de Bordeaux Bourg, which also does red. These wines are often very affordable as well. And then for red wine to top this all off, you have just the generic or just general Bordeaux AOC, which is the Bordeaux regional wine. So it's it's Bordeaux blends made from anywhere in Bordeaux. It's A lot of it comes from the right bank and a lot of it's Merlot base, but it's just, you know, mostly cooperative wine and it's called Bordeaux. Then in that category, there's also Bordeaux Superior, which is also just generic sort of general Bordeaux wine, but it just is a little more concentrated because it has a lower yield comparatively to the Bordeaux. That is Bordeaux, mostly red wine. Wow, wow. But now we got to talk about white wine. Oh my God. Other than the beautiful, expensive white wines of Pesec Léonion, as the Dor- when the Dordogne River and the Garonne River begin to parallel, there's a large swath of land there called Entre du Mer. It's this beautiful sort of like wooded land with all these vineyards. And this area here is where white Bordeaux is made. And white Bordeaux is always going to be very affordable. And it's going to be a blend of Sauvignon Blanc. And it's going to be Sémillon, sometimes Sémillon, sometimes Muscadel, and then uh, uh, Sauvignon Gris is blended in. But it's always just a really affordable, awesome blend. And they have their own system in there, but I I don't really have the time for it. And what you're going to see, you see Entre du Mer, it's going to be on the label. Grab it. It's delicious. It's easy to drink. They're starting to make wine in screw cap. It's awesome. It's also the largest wine growing area in Bordeaux, if you can even believe that. And last-ish, but not least, you have back over on the left bank in the Grave district, just south of that Grave district, is a place called Sauterne and a place called Barsac. And this area is famous for its sweet wine. What happens here, because of the climactic situation, grapes start to rot and they get infected by this thing called Botrytis cinera, otherwise known as noble rot. And it saps the moisture from these grapes. So what's done is they actually make wine from these grapes because all the sugar's still in there. And they make these extremely sweet wines that are made from Sauvignon Blanc, Sémillon, Muscadel, and Sauvignon Gris. And some of the most famous wine in the world, some of the most long-lived wine in the world comes from here. Now, this is really cool. During the 1855 classification, there was a separate classification dedicated specifically to sweet wines from this area, Barsac and Sauterne. White wines were not even considered at this time. They were not a thing. Sweet wines drank well, aged well, and traveled well. That's why they were so popular at the time. It was really a two-tier classification system. You had premier cru, or first growth, and you had deuxième cru, second growth. 
And in Premier Cru, there were 11 chateaux, and in Duzium Cru, there were 15. So that's 26 chateaux from this area being classified as sweet wines, the best of the best. But in Sauterne, there is a chateau that was so famous, and to this day is so famous, due to its quality and consistency of quality, and the fact that this is some of the most aged wine in the world. If you've ever read Billionaire's Vinegar, you'll know that Thomas Jefferson loved this stuff. This chateau is called Chateau Ikem, and it is so revered, so much, even in 1855, that they created another category on top of Premier Cru just for this chateau. So you have Premier Cru and Deuxième Cru, that's 26 chateaux. And then all the way at the top, you have Premier Cru Superior, or the first superior growth, and that is Chateau Ikem. That category was made for Chateau Ikem, and it's been there forever, and it's not going to change, and it's never going to it's never going to add. It's just going to be that one. And last but last, last not least, there is sparkling wine made in Bordeaux. They call it Cremant de Bordeaux. And it's always going to be a white and sometimes a rosé. And it's not very prevalent. You're, not gonna, you're going to see only a few uh, of them on the market, but they're very affordable. And they're kind of starting to catch on. So at some point, we're going to see more of that. But, and I don't really think there's a region. There's a, there's a region just south of the Grave and Saltern area that a lot of it's made. But that's it. So wine lovers... That is Bordeaux. I mean, there's so much more to tell you about history and stuff, but that's what you're going to see in wine shops. That's what you're going to see in movies, on wine lists. And that is it. I hope you guys have a better understanding of Bordeaux now than you ever have before. If you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm putting down, go ahead and give me a rating on iTunes or tell your friends to subscribe. You can subscribe. If you like to type, go ahead and send a, you know, a review or something like that. But let's get this wine podcast up so everybody can learn about wine. Check me out on Instagram. It's at VinePairKeith. I do all my stuff and stories. And also, you've got to follow VinePair on Instagram, which is at VinePair. And don't forget to listen to the VinePair podcast, which is hosted by Erica, Adam, and Zach. It's a great deep dive into drinks culture every week. Now for some credits. How about that? Wine 101 is recorded and produced by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the VinePair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mellon. I also want to thank Daniel Grinberg for making the most legit Wine 101 logo. And I got to thank Darby Seaside for making this amazing song. Listen to this epic stuff. And finally, I want to thank the Vine Pair staff for helping me learn more every day. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Lewis M. Martini Wine. For more than 85 years, Lewis M. Martini Winery has crafted world-class Cabernet Sauvignon from exceptional vineyards of Napa and Sonoma counties. Our founder believed in a simple, honest premise. The best grapes make the best wine. This guy was one of the OGs, guys. Today, the legacy of ingenuity, endurance, and passion continue at the historic winery in Napa Valley with an acclaimed collection of unforgettable Cabernet Sauvignon wines. Lewis M. Martini, craft your legacy.